good to see you, Cade Mila Fall, Chickadee, Chuck Sullis, on Dundalgan. You're very welcome to Lighthouse Church, Dundalk. It's so good to see you here today. Thank you so much, uh, Gorev Mila Mahagod, for being with us today uh, as we launch uh, a brand new life-giving church in the great town and great county of Dundalk and County Louth. And can we give a massive bullet buster and applause for our Navin location? Come on, our Dublin location, who are right now streaming in. Technology is a wonderful thing when it works. Uh, and they want to be part of the party to the celebrations. They did not want to miss out on the cracks, so they're here to, uh, to celebrate uh, with you. And uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Jamie, myself, and my wife, Ludmila, uh, who's here somewhere as well, started Lighthouse Church 15 years ago. She's right here in front of me. How can I miss her? Uh, it, was her it was her radiant beauty that blinded me, so I couldn't see her. Uh, but uh, we, uh, by the grace of God, tr fell into this, I would say, very unintentionally. 15 years ago, and then about five years ago, launched out into Dublin. Uh, and today, we're happy, we're blessed, we're privileged, thrilled, honored to support this fantastic young couple. Come on, Rebecca and Julian, as we launch uh, in Dundalk. And it's really a proud day for so many reasons. I mean, uh, how about our team, the band, the production team, our Falcher team, our kids team, Next Steps team, well, what a great job they've done. All the guys here from Dundalk, live in Dundalk. This is their town. This is their church. We're so proud of them. When God starts speaking to us about starting us, it was like, well, okay, God, we feel like you're leading us to start something, but who will go? And as we were praying, we felt like God was uh, calling this amazing young couple to step up and step out uh, and do great things uh, for God. So what I want to do is I'm going to share a little message in a, in a moment. Uh, I believe God's got a word for us. Before I do... Can we welcome, come on, our past Rebecca and Julian Moldo, everybody. Come on. Come on, Navin. Come on, Dublin. I want to hear you. Round of applause for these great leaders. And we are so proud of you guys. And I just want to give these guys a moment to share their hearts. I mean, it was, what, two years ago we were praying. We talked about this. Hey, what do you guys think about uprooting your lives? One a beautiful daughter, Sophia, moving to Dundalk, sowing your lives here and... I thought it'd be a hard sell, but you guys are like, we're in, we're going, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're happy to serve, so share a little bit of your heart with us. Well, it is an honor and privilege to, to do this, uh, myself and you, we just celebrated six years married, and we're both still alive, and we're still going, so um, no, it is a privilege, and we have truly fallen in love with this town. From the moment that we start talking about it and praying and thinking and Pastor Jamie and Pastor Lud approached us, it, we came to visit the first time and said, this place is amazing. And over the past 15 months, uh, we've, uh, we've moved since and we absolutely love it. So we are thrilled and excited to see how we can help, how we can make a difference and uh, just, yeah, just follow God's will for what he's doing here and to uh, help some people experience God's love because we know he loves them so. And you guys who are here today, it's for you, so yeah. Yes, I uh, just want to say, uh, again, so privileged and honored, but wouldn't be here because of Pastor Jamie and Lutz, so they are so important in our lives, mentors and help us. But I just want to share our hearts with this town because it's so important that you understand our heart. We're not coming here because we know better or who we are. We, we come here because there's, God loves this town. God has a purpose for this town, and maybe you're here and you're not a Christ follower, you are so welcome in this place. You can believe, you can belong even before you believe in this place. This is a place for you. 
to, to flourish. You are so welcome. And if any way that we can help you, you are welcome in this place. And if you're a Christ follower, if you, if you love Jesus and if you have a relationship with him, we'd love for you to even think, why not join us to make a difference in this town? Because God has, like I said, has a purpose for this town. And we will love any help that we can have. Because I believe in this process, you will find your extraordinary like we did. So I just want to say this from the get-go, that we come here just to love this town, to support this town. And uh, I'm, I believe that God has an incredible uh, plan for this town. That's our hearts. We love you guys. Okay, so stay for a second, Julian. Yeah, and you know, as a church, launching a church, and again, to our Dublin Navin location, we're part of a family of churches in Ireland called CCI Christian Churches Ireland, a really a movement uh, of churches north, south, east, and west. And since the day we began, we belong to this movement. And it's just, it's just a blessing to not do life solo, but also as a church, not to do ministry solo, to be connected to something that's national, that's providing care, resource, and support. And we're so privileged because in the room today, you guys can't see him right now, but you will in a second. We have the national leader, as I call him, El Presidente of, the, of CCI. No, I don't. Of CCI and lead pastor of St. Mark's Church in Dublin, Pastor Sean Malark, everybody. I'm going to invite him up. And his beautiful wife, Susan's here too. So thank you so much, Susan, for being here. And we want to give Pastor Sean an opportunity just to bring a greeting and to pray for us. Amen. What a privilege to be here today. Amen. And uh, praise the Lord again to Dublin and to Navin. Bless you. We're praying for Pastor Sam. We love him. And we're so grateful just to be in your presence today, in the presence of greatness. And uh, do you know what's annoying? The new up-and-coming pastors are getting better looking all the time. And it's really, it's really upsetting, very, very frustrating. But I'm bringing that before the Lord and his peace will come. It's, uh, it's Palm Sunday. And... Uh, we remember that time when Jesus got on the back of a donkey and he started making his way to Jerusalem and all the crowds are there and they're giving it loads and they're applauding and they're giving loads of back slaps. They're saying, you go for Jesus. And I remember hearing years ago that it would have been a very, very silly donkey thinking that the applause was for him. And there's always a challenge whenever we're launching out and whenever we're having victorious days and whenever we're having celebratory days to think that the applause is for us. And we honor you and we bless you, but you get the privilege of carrying Jesus into Dundalk. What a privilege to be Jesus' carriers. And so on Palm Sunday, we're always reminded, let's be Jesus' carriers. Let's be the ones that don't mind making a bit of an ass out of ourselves, amen? Don't mind being donkeys for the kingdom. As long as we're carrying Jesus wherever we go, Things are going to be good. And things are going to be good for Dundalk. I want to honor Pastor Jamie and Pastor Lud. And uh, Julian made reference to them. Pastor Julian made reference to them a few moments ago. And no one applauded. And I have to say that Pastor Jamie and Pastor Lud are inspirational. And it's awe-inspiring to think that they're on the third church in 15 years. That's unheard of in Ireland. And we need to applaud them and bless them and honor them. Can we extend our hands out towards this precious couple and we just bless the Lord today. Oh, Jesus. Lord, I feel so privileged being here today, Lord God, just to be here as they mark this new day of stepping into all that you have ordained for them here in Dundalk. Lord Jesus, thank you for the example that Lighthouse Church is to the island, Lord God. 
Thank you for the light in this house. Thank you for the lighthouse of evangelism. And thank you, Lord God, for the house full of light, Lord Jesus, that will bring, Lord God, restoration stories over the coming weeks, months, and years. God, in Jesus' name, we bless Pastor Julian, Pastor Rebecca, Lord God, Sophia, Lord Jesus. We bless you for this precious family, Lord God. Lord Jesus, may it go well with them, Lord God. We pray your best into them and over them and for them. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that every step they take will be to the glory of God. And as they carry you into the streets of Dundalk, Lord God, that they will see increase and blessing and fruitfulness, Lord God. Lord Jesus, from CCI, from St. Mark's, from all of our churches, we bless you today. We bless Lighthouse Dundalk and we bless you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. and amen. Thank you. Yeah, it's so good to be connected. One of the phrases that we have or sayings we have around here is life is better connected. And not only be connected as a church and family, we don't want to be a church with a service. We want to be a community on purpose. And so it's really great to have in the room friends uh, from literally all over the world. We've got some friends here from Alabama. We had friends from Dallas yesterday. We had friends from Dublin. Uh, and even uh, even from yesterday, texts were just pouring in from all over the world saying, hey, praying for the dog, praying for Lighthouse, trusting God uh, for great things. It's a very humbling thing, isn't it? Uh, to have people who love you and support you and just, you know, we're, we're going to extend that to Rebecca and Julian. And I know we can't see them, but come on, our Dublin location, our Navin location, our cheering, sending their love, and of course, their support. And the guy said it already, we're not here uh, to, do, to, do, to take over. We're not, we're not the Conor McGregor church. We're here to take over the world. Uh, we believe in the local church, and we honor every church in this town, in this county. There's one enemy. His name is the devil. We've one Lord. His name is Jesus. And we've come here to lock arms with our brothers and sisters in Christ to be a lighthouse, a beacon of hope, help, and life uh, to this community. And so hopefully uh, in the months and years to come as we sow our lives in this place, we can be a blessing not only to those who don't know Jesus, but also to the kingdom of God in this place. We need to pray for and honor all the pastors and ministers and missionaries who've sown their lives in this town uh, for decades uh, before we even got, before these guys were even born. So we honor. Come on, show our appreciation for all the leaders and churches uh, in this place. Well, uh, today is Palm Sunday, and uh, it's a little bit of my thunder, but it's okay, because it sets me up nicely. Uh, we, we've been doing a collection of talks in our church at the moment called Impact One, and uh, what we've been talking about is this idea that when it comes to church, when it comes to life, if, you wanna, if you've come here today because you're curious, who are these people? What is Lighthouse Church? Let me, let me show you a little bit of, of what happens behind the curtains, a little bit of, of, of what's up our sleeve, what really what happens in terms of our heartbeat. Our heartbeat is that we believe every single person was created by God, for God, on purpose. Every single person. So we would summarize that in saying that Lighthouse Church exists to inspire ordinary people to an extraordinary purpose in Christ. This idea that in the hearts and souls and minds of men and women is a longing, a hunger, a desire to be connected with purpose and to live a meaningful life. We call that inspiring the extraordinary. Uh, we believe that when it comes to your, our, our place in the world, there's no accidents. Maybe your parents didn't plan you, but God did. And maybe the enemies tried to thwart you and stop you and pull you back and pull you down and take you up. But by the grace of God, whether you know God, maybe you're here and you're a Christ follower, or maybe you're far from God, the grace of God 
is what enables you to stand today, my friend. And so we would often say to our church in Navin, Dublin, that you were made for more. You, Guinness is made of more, but you are made for more. You have an extraordinary purpose. And part of the extraordinary purpose is understanding that the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given to us were given to us, but not for us. True fulfillment is not living life self-centeredly and selfishly. True fulfillment is when we take what's been given to us and we, 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 we hone it, we craft it, we shape it, and then generously we redeploy it back into the world to serve and make the world a better place. The truth is, when it comes to you know, launching a church in the dock, we can't reach all the dock. We're just one church, but we can reach a part of it. When it comes to being one church in three locations, we can't reach all of Ireland, but we can reach part of it. To put it simply, we may not be able to impact everyone's world, but we can impact someone's world. And today, as we think about Palm Sunday and the coming of Christ and Jesus, the church, what we have to remember is Jesus is a, is a God, he's a Lord, he's a Savior, we have a Father in Heaven who came for the someones. He gave his life for the everyones in the hope that someones might respond. Today I've called the message Passion Purpose. Passion Purpose. Some of you are thinking, man, why launch a church in the dark? The question I get asked all the time is, why do you do what you do? And the answer is, I don't know why I do what I do. I have the sense which God saved me, redeemed me, rescued me, restored me, and has a purpose for me that involves helping people find their way back to Him. And one of the questions I often get asked, you know, I'm talking to people over coffee, or if, if I'm in, a, in an elevator, or if I'm on a plane, people go, what do you do? It's like, well, why do you still think God cares about Ireland? What, what makes you believe? What evidence is there that there is a God and He is even interested in Ireland? Which reminded me of a funny story I heard the other day of a single mother who had two very, as you say in Ireland, bowled boys. Two bowled boys. This single mother had these two lads, and we have four kids. Our oldest is about to turn 16, our youngest is two, and we have a 10-year-old and 9-year-old. Yes, and uh, just checking. And, uh, and, and so our house is chaos, and of course, you all know the truth that Lud has to deal with the brunt of that. But this single mother had two boys, and they're out of control, and she couldn't contain them. So she went to our local church pastor, listen, can you help me? Like, I, I'm just, I'm at the end of my tether. I, I'm, I've exhausted all my options. They don't listen to me. So this pastor, trying to be helpful, says, okay, I'll tell you what. Bring the first one in, make the, make the other guy way outside. I'll talk to him for five minutes, and then we'll rotate. So the mother brings the two boys to the church, and they go to the pastor's office, and the mother comes in with the first one down. And the pastor's trying to, uh, what would you say, motivate these young boys' behavior with the perspective of God and heaven and hell and all these things. So the boy's down and he goes, boy, I'm going to ask you a question. Where is God? And the little chap sits there silent looking around. And he waits a second. The pastor goes, boy, I said, where is God? And again, the boy's nervous and he's sheepish looking down and he's looking left and right and looking at his mother. And third time the pastor says, boy, I asked you a question. Where is God? At which point the boy jumps out of his seat, runs out the door, runs down the hall crying. His brother sees and going, what the heck is going on? He chases him outside, catches up, calms him down, says, what's going on? And he goes, we're in so much trouble. Because brother goes, why? They don't know where God is. They think we've taken him away. So I don't know if it worked in the disciplinary fund, but it, it, it does ring true that people do wonder, where is God? in all the chaos of the world. 
with all that's happening in Ireland, all that's happening in Ukraine, all that's happening around the world, where is God? And I suppose today is a day of many things, a day of celebration, a day of, 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 of party, of the crack, but it's also a day of recognition, which I don't know about you, but one of the most awkward things for me being a pastor, and maybe it's the same for you guys in Navin and Dublin, is did you ever rec- not recognize, ever not recognize someone you knew you knew? Like, you're, this happens to me all the time, because I get to stand in front of people and talk, and people hear my stories, and I share my life, and Pastor Sean, as leaders, we're always, you know, using our own lives, our own failures, because there's many of them uh, as primary examples. And so we bump into people inevitably in town, or in the airport, or wherever, sometimes on holidays, and they're talking to us because they think they know us, and we're not sure if we know them, and there's that awkward moment of like, do I, do I know you? You know what I'm saying? So it happens to me all the time. When we were, funny story, when we were coming to, to, to Ndok, we were prayer walking the town, thinking about where we opened the church. We went to a place here in town, and we just, you know, as we say, knocking doors and figure out who would be open to us. And we met this local manager, and he gave us a tour of this venue. And we're talking about a church. And he's like, what do you mean a church? I said, well, it's kind of like this, and with this, and this, and that, and this, that, and the other. And he's looking at me, and I give him this long spiel about, you know, made for more, inspired extraordinary, local, life-giving church. And, talk, and after the whole thing, he looks at me, and he goes, I'm sorry, you lost me at the beginning. Go again. Did you say a church? And I was like, oh, man. So, so I'm telling the story again, and we're connecting, whatever. And then I said, okay, let me think about, send me an email on you know, the Irish thing. Send me an email, which in Irish language is, you're never going to hear from me again. And uh, send me an email, and, uh, and we'll see what happens. And I was like, oh, man. So I was trying to you know, make a personal connection, so I'm chatting to him. And he goes, where are you from? And I said, well, I live in Navin, but I'm from, you probably never heard of it, a place called Carlo. And he goes, no, I know Carlo. I said, yeah, yeah. I said, but did, but did you grow up there? I said, no, I actually grew up in County Kildare. And he goes, whereabouts in Kildare? And I said, the Curra Camp. And he goes, I knew it. I said, what do you mean you knew it? I heard a little bit of that Midland uh, lilt in your voice. Thinking, Midland lilt? No, from the Midlands, you have no accent. You know, that's, that's, that's the point. And he goes, I'm from the Curra too. And I said, no way. He said, yeah. And I remember this, Rebecca Newland. I said, what street? And he said, Pierce Terrace. I said, I'm from Pierce Terrace. And he goes, who's your father? I said, hopefully not you, but the way things are going. It's like, it's like, where are we going? And so it turns out that he lived in the same street that I did, a little older, and he knows my dad from serving in the army. Long story short, in the conversation, he goes, and you know what else? During lockdown, I was doing my family tree, and I think we're related. I went, of course we are. This is Ireland, I mean. You know, so this big long shot, I got my phone, FaceTime time, my dad. My dad happened to be in the Ukraine at the time, over there praying for people, doing ministry. I have this crazy conversation. At the end of the conversation, I go to give him a handshake and say, yeah, thank you very much. And he goes, oh, no, no, no handshakes for your family. So he gives me a hug. Then he turns around to Julian, and Julian goes to give him a hug. And he says, you're not family. <laughs> that crazy is that, you know? It's a small world. And really, recognition is about realizing what you already know. Today's a day of recognition. We're recognizing that God loves them dark. Come on, that God has a plan and purpose for this place and for the people of this place. We're recognizing the brave men and women that have made this possible. Rebecca, Julian, all the team who've served, who've given, who've sold our Dublin location, our Navin location, 
because they have given generously to make this thing a reality. We've got friends and partners all around the world that are praying for us and support us. It's a day of recognition for what God is doing, what our leaders are doing, what our team is doing, and what our broader church is doing. But it's also a special day because, as Pastor Sean said, today is Palm Sunday. And I'll, I'll tell you the truth. Growing up as a young Catholic boy, I, I kind of was familiar with the church calendar. I was an altar boy for a few years. I did it for the two euros uh, that you came with serving as an altar boy. And true story, I was so bad at being an altar boy, I got fired at it. You know? My job was to ring the bell. And apparently ring the bell once. But I get carried away with my ADHD. I'm like, ding, ring my bell. Ring my bell. So the priest got fed up being sacked me. So my first job didn't go very well. But I was always, I, I would hear Palm Sunday and Palm Sunday, what's... What is Palm Sunday, Book of Psalms, or the same thing? Like, what's going on? Like, I found it very confusing. But really what Palm Sunday is all about is it's the start of what's called Holy Week. It's the build-up from now seven days, which obviously is Easter Sunday next week, where we celebrate the resurrection. Palm Sunday isn't the destination. It's a direction. It points to something greater. But I think today for us as we launch this church and for our nav and different locations, there's something in Palm Sunday that God wants to remind us of, bring us back to. Maybe you're here, you're not a Christ follower. Maybe ignite in our hearts for the first time. Something we can recognize in this celebrated church tradition. To help us, we're going to turn to God's Word. We're going to John's Gospel, chapter 12. And we're going to look at verse 12 to verse, I think it's 16. And most of you are aware of this, that John was a follower of Jesus. There's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called synoptic Gospels because they give a general synopsis of Jesus' life. Whereas John's Gospel is different. It's far more theological. And half of John's Gospel is dedicated to one week of Jesus' life. Like over half of John's Gospel is just focusing and honing in on this week called Holy Week. And where Matthew and John personally knew Jesus and followed him, Mark and Luke never met him. Mark wrote down Peter's eyewitness account of Jesus And Luke was a historian who was paid later to go and fact-check everybody and put together an account. He wrote Luke and Acts, a a two-volume piece. But John was close to Jesus. He was there. As we're going to see in verse 16, he's now, by the time he wrote this letter, this book, he's later on in life, he's reminiscing, he's recounting his time with Jesus. And when Palm Sunday happened, if if we feel like we're confused, we shouldn't feel too bad. Because even the followers of Jesus, when it was happening in real time, didn't fully recognize what was unfolding before their eyes. And so he says in verse 12, the next day, the crowd gathered around Jesus. Let's move over here because I can't see it. Next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So again, in context what's happening, well, the Jewish people are getting ready to celebrate the Passover, okay? Probably heard that term. The Passover was a Jewish festival that harkened back to the days of Moses, where, remember the story of Moses, you've all seen the prince of Egypt at least, right? And all the plagues come, and the final plague was the angel of death swept over Egypt, and the people of Israel were commanded to, to sacrifice a lamb and to basically cover the doorposts of their house with the blood of the lamb. And the idea was this angel would pass over their house and they would not be touched. That's why it's called a Passover, by the way. And it was, a, it was a, a celebration of God's mercy, of God's grace, of undeserved favor. And even though they weren't perfect, and even though they themselves had violated God's command, still God chose to show them grace and mercy. The Jews were gathering in Jerusalem because that 
Friday, they were going to celebrate the Passover. And watch, there's a very interesting symmetry, symmetry happening here. Because Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem, the beginning of Passover, is not accidental. Everything's on purpose. Now the people, they think he's coming for one reason, but Jesus is about to show them he's coming for another reason. So as he enters the city, we're told in verse 13, they took palm branches and they went out to meet him. Again, this is one of these verses where you go, why? Like, none of you brought palm branches today, did you? Anyone in Navendon bring some random palm branches to church? No, I mean, when Ireland won the Six Nations two weeks ago, remember that, everybody? Come on, somebody. Let's go, Ireland. Yeah. It's like, I didn't see anyone in, in I was going to say Lansdowne Road, in the Aviva, with palm branches. When the soccer team, whoever those guys are, when they played a week later, who did they beat? Latvia. Is that a good thing? So when, when we beat Latvia in soccer, you know, no one, to my recollection, showed up with palm. It's like, what the heck is with the palm branches? And really what's happening is about 150 years before Jesus came into Jerusalem, there was a, a national kind of like rebel leader who led a revolt against, at that time, the Syrians who were oppressing the Israelites. And he basically beat them back and rededicated the, camp, the temple. His name was, was Maccabeus, uh, Judas Maccabeus. And what the people did is a sign of solidarity, a sign of recognition. This is our leader. This is our liberator. This is the one who fights for our freedom. They threw down palm branches in recognition for uh, who he was, his entity, and his purpose. A bit like, you know, obviously, uh, we, can't, we can't be in County Loud and, and in Dock and not think about people like Cucullin and our own great Irish heroes of old. But the point is this. By putting down these palm branches, what the people were saying to Jesus is we believe that you are our liberator. Not necessarily a spiritual savior, but you're like a nationalistic rebel leader who's going to come and lead a revolt against the current tyranny, which of course most of you were, was that time the Romans, and set us free. So it's almost like the ground in which that Jesus walked, Jesus was way too worthy and way too important to even touch the ground. It continues, as they threw on these palm branches, they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the, watch this, king of Israel. So most of us have heard the word Hosanna. Again, it's one of those church words I grew up hearing, seeing on signs at the front of altars. Sometimes if you grew up in a Christian church, you sing Hosanna, Hosanna. And all Hosanna means is save us. Hosanna means save us. And what these people were chanting wasn't the Father God from heaven, come and save us from our sin. Save us from our brokenness. Save us from the, the perpetual nature of humans to bring destruction to everything. What they were saying was, we're sick and tired of Roman oppression. We're sick and tired of being a subjugated people. We're sick and tired of paying taxes to a foreign entity. And again, if you know our own history, we understand a little bit of that, everybody. Come on, Aaron Gabra. And so it's like, it's like we, we, we could identify what they were looking for was a nationalistic liberator, not a sent by God, Messiah and Savior of the world. See, when they were welcoming Jesus, they were hoping he'd look a bit like this. When they were thinking king of Israel, they were hoping for a king like Leonidas. Where's the photo there? They were thinking, come on, like, give me some of that. Give me some of Sparta and 300 and overthrow the Romans. And just like the gates of Thermopylae, like, let's, let's make a stand this week and show Caesar who's boss and let's make Israel great again. 
They were looking for a nationalistic leader who would change their political fortunes. But there's a great irony in this. Because in their palm branching and in their hosannying and in their shouting and, 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 and welcoming of the king of Israel, what they missed was, yes, Jesus was king. And yes, Jesus was coming to set them free, but not in the way that they anticipated. The quote, Hosanna, comes from Psalm, I think it's 115. And the next verse says, uh, in verse 14, there's a quote from uh, Zechariah chapter 9. It says, Jesus found a young donkey, or a colt in some of your translations, and sat on it, as is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. Daughter Zion is a euphemism for people of Israel, for the city of Jerusalem. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. A colt is a young donkey, young male donkey. And so what's happening is, is like the people are expecting like King Leonidas on some like black stallion to be riding in with all the horsepower of Israel and his mighty warriors, maybe like King David or King Saul. But instead, Jesus comes in humbly, not even on a donkey, but on a donkey's baby. Now, when I think about this, the only donkey that comes to my mind is this donkey, the donkey from Shrek. And it's like, there's nothing glorious or intimidating about a donkey. Right? There's just nothing that you go, here comes Jesus on a donkey. It's like, like usually in films, like, you know, you, yeah, to our leader. It's like in Jerusalem, like, go Jesus on your little donkey. A few months ago, myself and my wife and my boys were up in Donegal, one of our favorite counties, for a few days break. And we got great friends who pastor a great church at the Hills Church in, in Derry. Pastor, pastor Andy Victoria, we love them. And Andy comes from a far, farming background. So one of the things he has on his farm is he has a miniature horse. Donkey thing. I don't even know what you call it. And it's literally like this big. And his name is Billy. And so... The idea was all the kids would have a go at taking Billy for a spin. And when you look at him from far, you can't, you know, the, the height perception thing is a bit off. So you go, okay, he's like a donkey. But when I put my smallest child on him, even my child looked too big for, I mean, I didn't even try something. Can you imagine? I break, break the poor donkey's back, you know what I'm saying? And so the boy, so we put these kids on the donkey, he'd just run around, da, 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 and it looked like something out of a circus. It was unnatural. And I was thinking, this is not intimidating. This is not making a point in, 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 a, in an aggressive gnash. This is humiliating. To come into a city with hundreds of thousands of people welcoming you as king and liberator on the back of a miniature donkey. It's like either, either Jesus' disciples really made a big mistake that day or Jesus was making a statement. And of course, the fact that John references the prophecy from Zechariah shows that nothing was accidental here. Jesus is trying to make a point. The point was simply this. He didn't come to liberate them politically. He didn't come to set them free from their financial and their uh, relational and their cultural bondages, even though those things matter and there's part of where God blesses that. Ultimately, Jesus came, as we're told in his own words, to seek and save the lost. He didn't come as a nationalistic liberator to restore the glory of Israel, he came to bring lost sons and daughters home to the Father in glory. It's why we say today, Falcha Valya, welcome home. It's because ultimately, some of us can feel sometimes, oh, I, I don't know where my home is anymore. Maybe you're from a different country, you moved here. Thank God you're here. We love you. We welcome you. We celebrate you. But it's like, your home is heaven. 
Your home is in the presence of Jesus. If, you, if you're someone who feels a bit orphaned or feels like you don't fit, understand that, that Jesus is coming on a donkey. Jesus entering in on Palm Sunday to Jerusalem is an invitation to us to see not some mighty warrior who's coming with human strength and human aggression to make a political stand, but, the, but the, the Son of God and Savior of the world who rather than taking back something aggressively was going to give up something graciously so all the world could know the love of the Father. The sequence finishes in verse 16. It says, At first his disciples did not understand this. This is John writing after the fact. He says, When we were there, we did not recognize what was happening. Which, by the way, I think is hilarious because they were still thinking at the time it was happening, Jesus is this political leader, and here he comes on a miniature donkey, which was very funny. I don't know what he's doing, but let's hope it ends well. Um, so at the time, they didn't recognize what Jesus was doing. Only after Jesus was glorified, glorified is a reference to his, his full bodily resurrection seven days later, did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. So if we feel a bit confused about God and Jesus and purpose, we're in good company because even Jesus' closest followers didn't fully understand what was happening. But here's the point as I'm beginning to bring this thing to a close. The point is, is the people were hoping that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem for Jerusalem. What we see in the text is Jesus wasn't going to Jerusalem. Jesus was going through Jerusalem. And today we, we recognize that God is coming to the dark in a new way. Again, not that we're exclusive or special. King of God is here in all the local churches. But but by, by us opening up today, we're saying we want to be part of what God is doing. Jesus coming to this place. And we want to be part of us, the reference of being the donkey. And I'm, I'm very happy being the donkey for the glory of God. But he isn't just coming here for this place. He's coming here because he has a plan and purpose for the people of this place. And ultimately, if you read the text, if you continue on in John 13 and on, you'll see that Jesus rises in Jerusalem and immediately goes to the temple and starts teaching the people about the Father. And it gets more and more contentious and fractious as the religious leaders are trying to find a way to trap him and silence him and stop him. And the week culminates on Friday. And you guys know it. Friday is often referred to in culture as Good Friday. And you think, man, how could a Friday where we celebrate Jesus' betrayal, he's being beaten, he's been imprisoned, he's been falsely accused, He's spat on, a crown of thorns is wedged into his skull. He's flogged to the point of death. He's made like a donkey. See the irony? He came on a donkey, donkey carried him, but he carried a cross out of Jerusalem on which a hill called Golgotha, he was nailed to that cross for the sins of the world as the savior of the world and his best friends and close allies, rather than being with him in his greatest moment of fear and pain and uncertainty, abandoned him for fear of their own safety, and alone on a hill outside Jerusalem, the king of the world, who a few days ago we were saying, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, or thou shalt crucify, crucify. And in this moment of incredible love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, Jesus Christ gave his life for the sins of humanity. Now, that's powerful, and we're going to finish that in a second, but the story doesn't end there. If Jesus was just another martyred religious leader. So what? Get in line. They were a dime a dozen. 
There's so many leaders who've died for their cause. What makes the Christian gospel different, what gives it power and efficacy, what gives it authenticity and validity, is the fact that Jesus did die, but he rose again. And because he has risen, and because he lives, and because he appeared first to Peter and John and to all the other apostles, because he still makes himself known in our day and age, because he came into my life as a young 16-year-old disaster from Carlo in Heidelberg, Germany, over 20 years ago, here we stand today as living proof that Jesus is risen. And next Sunday, we're going to celebrate that in a big way at Easter. But the bottom line is this. People thought Jesus was coming as a political leader to heal the brokenness of their land. What they didn't realize was Jesus was coming as a Messiah to give himself up to save the world. Many people think their greatest need is healing. And many miss their greatest need is saving. See, God can touch a need and God does. And we believe in that. We believe that God answers prayer and God provides and God heals. We believe in all those things. But God not only heals our sickness. What Palm Sunday reminds us is Jesus' passion had purpose. God also wants to save us from our sin. And again, that's not a very politically correct word right now. It's I think we're running out of words that aren't really politically correct anymore. But I don't care because it's true. Because at the end of the day, no matter how much we cosmetically cover up the brokenness of humanity with all the trappings of Western wealth and technology, we know fundamentally humans are broken beings. And no amount of fun and technology and money and good things can solve or fix the brokenness in every human heart. It's only the love power and transformation that comes from a risen Savior touching our lives that can change us forever. Understand that today, Dublin and Ave, we know this, this is a miracle. To be here today, to see God do it, it's a miracle. We believe in miracles. And in this room, I'm sure there's stories and testimonies of God healing and God providing and God doing all these things. And we thank God for all of those. But today, as we contemplate Good Friday, as we think about resurrection, as we think about Jesus' passion, having purpose to seek and save the lost, we recognize the greatest miracle anyone can experience is the saving power of God. The greatest need of Dundalk is to know its creator. The greatest need of Louth and Leinster and all of Ireland is to know a father in heaven who loves this land and the people of this land and has done something great. That's why it's called good news to set us free, to liberate us from the shackles and bondage of our selfishness, our brokenness, our sin, and our lostness. You're thinking, man, well, that sounds wonderful, but I don't know the way. Many times, as we, as we share the good people, go, well, how does that affect me? And I love the fact, again, that in John's Gospel, Jesus' disciples ask the exact same question. Just two chapters later, Jesus is trying to show his disciples his true purpose in coming, and they're like, we don't get it. Jesus is like, well, let me try this way. We still don't get it. Let me try this way. We still don't get it. And it was Thomas, doubting Thomas, as he's often known. I love Thomas. Thomas is the disciple I identify with the most because I'm quite skeptical in nature. I like to question things and prod and poke and like, hey, you show me evidence. And so Thomas comes along and says, yeah, but we don't know. We don't know the way. Like, how can we trust you? How can we follow you? How can we put our faith in you? We don't know. Like, 
What's the secret code? What's the three-point course? What's the book we should buy? Who's the pastor we should follow? What brand should we buy into? What's the secret discipline? Where's the five keys? Like, where? who knows? And what's so interesting is Jesus doesn't point to a brand or five steps or self-help or best-selling authors. What's so interesting, as I'll cover next week Easter, is Jesus both underpinned and undermined his own movement. Why? Because he said in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except for me. Which again, put ourselves in their shoes. What a bold claim. What a cr- If someone told you, listen, I'm the only way to God, you're thinking, yeah, right, what were you drinking? And even if you wanted to believe, if you, even if you trust that person, when you watch them die a bloody, horrific death on a cross, publicly laughed at and ashamed, you go, well, that didn't work out too well. That's why on Good Friday, there was no Christianity. On Good Friday, there was, there was no movement. There was no prayer service. There was no prayer vigil. There was no, there was no church gathering. On Good Friday, there was nothing because everybody had given up hope. Why? Because Jesus made himself the center of this movement and he was now dead until Easter Sunday. And many of Jesus' followers are so interesting. The reason why they followed Jesus wasn't because they believed in something. They didn't follow Jesus because of something someone taught them. They followed Jesus because of someone they saw. They saw a man who was dead, crucified, buried, and alive again. And he made this claim. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There are many options, many opinions, many versions, many ways in life. But Jesus has been and always will be. And we will preach this message. Today this church does not exist. He is the only way and the father is not like the pastor in the story at the beginning. He's a loving father and a gracious father. And on Palm Sunday, he shows us the vulnerability and the nurturing nature of his heart. But Jesus didn't come as Leonidas on some big, mighty stallion. But Jesus came on a donkey, humble, humbled himself before the world. Not to take back, but to give up his life for the sins of humanity. As I close, there's a, a poem I found this week as a study, and I thought it was wonderful. It says this. Leave it up. Go back, go back to Victoria. Leave it up so I can read it here. And then, yeah. So it says this. This is about, it's called, uh, What Have You Learned? It says, They shouted with praise, reaching the sky, pushing and shoving to see Jesus pass by, crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to the King. He comes to us today, great joy he doth bring. Next one, please. They threw down palm leaves, covering the way, making a clear path for him to travel that day, raising joyful voices as praises filled the air. Their day had come, Chuck law. God answered prayer. But in a short time, they changed their chant from a joyful noise to a mob's hate-filled rant. From Hosanna, Hosanna, as when he was praised, to crucify, crucify, as their anger blazed. In disbelief, we might question why they turned. But maybe the question is, what have we learned? What a beautiful poem. The idea that Jesus has come to seek and save us. So the question I want to ask today as we pray in Navan and Dublin and in the Dock. 
is will you recognize the king when he comes? Because maybe we put our hopes in government. And maybe we put our hopes in economics. Maybe we put our hopes in how many followers we can accrue on Instagram or social media or in our business or in our career or in our kids. But the only true hope for humanity is a person. His name is Jesus. And today we recognize the king has come. The king has come into this world to liberate, to give life, to pour out his love into the hearts of all mankind. And we want to be a lighthouse, a Chuck Solace, a beacon of that message with all our brothers and sisters and all the other local churches in this land to say to Ireland, God sees you and God loves you and God has an extraordinary purpose for your life. As we celebrate Easter, and Easter eggs and roast lamb and if you're from Brazil, barbecue and all the other cultural things that we do. Let's remember, this week we celebrate a resurrected Savior.